order in the court. It's time for Understanding the Law Radio. Well, hi and welcome to the UTL Radio Podcast. This is the Week in Review. Uh, if you remember back, if you were a fan of the show, we did this um, for a while where we did the Week in Review, and we're going to go back to it. I uh, love to hear what you guys think. I know that there was a lot of uh, positive feedback in the past, and there have been a lot of requests to bring back the Week in Review. So mm-hmm. uh, myself and Brendan, we're going to start the Week in Review This show is going to air on Mondays, and just like it used to, we're going to go back and we're going to look at the last week in the law, and we're going to share with you some of the most important developments, important stories, some stuff that's crazy and off the wall, but for the most part, we're going to just pick what we think are some of the most important developments over the last week. So let's get started. Um, We are going to look first at... um, a story that I, I think is very important, a, a very interesting and important. The okay. Department of Justice sues Google over abuse of digital ad dominance. Really? Yeah. Now this is interesting because what the Department of Justice is saying is that Google essentially has a monopoly on the market of online click, pay-to-click ads. And the Department of Justice, looking at Google, looking at what they're doing, looking at the algorithm and the way that they are um, essentially cornering the market. Because let me ask you, right? Where, if you think of pay-per-click ads. I think of Google. Google ads. Do you think of anything else? No. I mean, look, you can you can say, well, yeah, there's Instagram, there's Facebook. But, but those are on particular platforms. Those are right. ads within platforms. If I'm talking about the internet, what do I think of? I think of Google. So this is very interesting because... You know, they're going to probe hard and make a determination as to whether or not, you know, Google and its ads have an unfair monopoly. And then if, let's just say hypothetically, they rule against Google, that could pave the way for other companies to be able to compete with Google on a bigger scale and maybe even reduce the amount that you're spending on your pay mm-hmm. per click campaign. So this is an interesting development from last week. Um, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Now, another one, uh, artists can't band together in universal music copyright class action. This comes from Reuters and, uh, UMG accused of ignoring munici- uh, musicians, termination notices. That's the point of this. So a a Manhattan federal court on Friday rejected a motion by a group of rock musicians to proceed with a class action lawsuit against Universal Music Group and its Capitol Records subsidiary, which they were accused of ignoring notices that they were reclaiming their copyrights from the label. Mm -hmm. The musicians, including singer-songwriter Sid Straw and members of rock bands The Dickies and The Dream Syndicate, have unique situations that require separate lawsuits, according to Lewis Kaplan, the U.S. District Judge. Now, this is interesting because it highlights class action law. Yeah. Many people say, well, let's just file a class action. Let's mm-hmm. just class action. So what this, this um, report is saying is that, yeah, there's a lawsuit against Universal 
music group. But we're not saying you don't have an individual claim. We're saying that, hey, artists, you can't band together and form a class action. Mm-hmm. Because a class action requires certain things. There are elements like commonality, meaning that the claims and the relief sought all needs to be common. Here, because each artist has a unique situation or circumstance, yeah. you can't file a class action. Got it. So that's what's going on here. Huh. Well, I have one that's, right. that's slightly interesting. A woman was detained by police and put in a police car, and she was seriously injured when the parked patrol car was hit by a freight train. She filed a lawsuit against police and accused the three officers of acting recklessly and failing in their duty to take care of her while she was in their custody. She was handcuffed and put in the back of a patrol car that was parked on railroad tracks. Uh, The lawsuit alleges that the train tracks were plainly visible to the arresting officer, and she was standing on them as she put as she put her in uh, the back seat of the driver's side of the patrol car. And so she has sued, and there's no more information about it now, but... No, I've, I saw that, and that one always um, jumps out at me because years ago I used to do a lot of insurance defense work, and some of the insurance clients happened to be municipal insurance funds, and so we would mm-hmm. represent a lot of police and uh, school boards and things like that at, at the time. And, you know, what I learned from that is that um, public entities, including the police, right, they're funded by the public, they have immunities, various Mm -hmm. immunities that protect them from regular negligence. So if you and I did something that was negligent, um, not securing a speaker that you're hanging from the ceiling and it falls on somebody and injures them, that's negligence, right? And, And you would be sued for that. But if a municipal entity or a police officer or, um, you know, a, a municipal employee did that, mm-hmm. you you have immunity for regular old negligence. You have to show gross negligence. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about the, the case that you brought up is that there is a high likelihood, in my opinion, that that constitutes gross negligence unless there's some argument to the contrary as to why they did that on the railroad tracks. I I see that as a, a situation of, of gross negligence. Yeah. I mean, don't you think that that's where that's going? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I think absolutely it was on the tracks. So even with the immunities, I mean, at that point, right? right yeah. That, she said she screamed when the uh when she started uh when the train was heard. She said she was screaming for help and. Yeah, I mean, my question is, how is it that she was in the car for long enough to scream for help when the train was there and the police did nothing about it? Right, so that's that's interesting. And all those facts are going to yeah. go into this determination as to whether or not it was gross negligence. Yeah. All right, next up is ChatGPT. We've talked about this before on some of our regular shows. Yes. Well, last week, there's a report that ChatGPT passes law school exams despite mediocre performance. So although ChatGPT cannot yet outscore most law students on exams, new research suggests that it can eke out a passing grade. 
A quartet of law professors at the University of Minnesota used the popular artificial intelligence chatbot to generate answers to exams in four courses, then graded them blindly along with actual students' tests. ChatGPT's average C-plus performance fell below the human's B-plus average. Really? Yeah, but they st- this, this thing got a C-plus, so... <laughs> I mean, that's interesting, but, you know. Right, and then and they're quoted as saying, alone, chat GPT would be pretty mediocre as, as a law student. Um, but the bigger potential for the profession here is that a lawyer could use chat GPT to produce a rough first draft and just make their practice that much more effective. Yeah, I mean, it just does go to show, though, that Chat GPT is not this like very awesome, you know, always correct, perfect AI thing that everybody seems to claim it is. Well, have you, I mean, did, so, so in this article, they're saying that, that you could use it to generate a rough draft of something as complicated as like a legal brief yeah. or discovery. You've used Chat GPT, right? You fooled around with it. I tried it once or twice to write uh, scripts, like code scripts for uh, a program I was using, and it was cool at first, but it didn't do everything entirely correct, and there were a whole lot of issues. But overall, I could see the use case, but it was just all right. I mean, do you think that you could use it in business to generate a general business letter or something like that? Do you see that potential? I mean, I, I, I do, but also, especially with legal documents, the specific wording is so important, you know, like down to the, the, the single words, you know what I mean? Right. And so I, I, don't, I wouldn't trust an AI to do that. I would always hire a person. But you think that you might get a rough draft or something maybe. out of it, yeah. maybe. Uh, yeah, but, you know... I would never trust it to make final work. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, well, sticking with the open AI topic, last week, open AI, speaking of that, Microsoft <laughs> wants the court to toss a lawsuit accusing them of abusing open source code. Okay. So before I get into the article, what's open source code? Uh, it's it's uh, code that's available online. If something's open source, then... All of the documentation and code and everything, that's, that's all available online for you to get yourself. Gotcha. Uh, so it's it's free? So, so yeah. So, like, if, if I don't know if this is the, what AI is open source? Well, they're talking about Microsoft's GitHub. Yeah. So, usually if something's open source, like, for example, there is a very powerful uh, game engine named Godot, and it's meant for indie games. And the developers uh, made it open source so that anyone who wants to check it out can and make their own modifications, their own version of the engine. You know, open source, like uh, the 3D modeling software Blender is open source, um, I I believe, Uh, which essentially means that you can go in and customize it yourself, write your own code to add to the engine, you know, in your own way, write software and add-ons and all kinds of things. Got it. So opens, that's what open source usually means. Like uh, it's, you know. All right. Yeah. Well, according to this report, Microsoft Corp and Microsoft's GitHub mm-hmm. uh, and OpenEye told the San Francisco federal court that a proposed class action lawsuit for improperly monetizing open source code to train their artificial intelligence systems cannot be sustained. 
The company said in Thursday court filings that the complaint filed by a group of anonymous copyright owners did not outline their allegations specifically enough and that GitHub's co-pilot system, uh, which suggests lines of code for program programmers, made fair use of the source code. Mm-hmm. So are you familiar with GitHub? Yes. What it's you- GitHub is a uh it's a site well what do they house code on it don't they it's like yeah, a platform it's, for it's a platform code. for it's a web-based interface that uses g git uh the open source version of git, I'm, I'm reading this off the internet because i didn't have a good enough explanation for you okay uh github is a web-based interface that uses git the open source version control software that lets multiple people make separate changes to web pages at the same time essentially I used GitHub in school classes a while ago, and the way it works is it's a way to house a project, usually that has code in it, you know, heavy amounts of code that multiple people can work on at the same time. You know, you have different branches. You can um, customize which version is getting uploaded to the main branch. You have a, a manager who goes through all the changes and can monitor every specific thing. That's what it is. It's like a, it's like a it's a it's a base for you know storing code and software and allowing changes to it. Got it. So basically what Microsoft is saying is that um, the class action, the lawsuit that's filed against it, GitHub, and OpenAI, mm-hmm. um, which last week I believe Microsoft indicated they were going to be putting significant investments into OpenAI, yeah. uh, basically are, are you know looking at this as a... Um, probably a motion to dismiss because what they're saying is that they didn't outline their allegations specifically enough and therefore this is really they're, they're trying to get the the court to dismiss this on a motion to dismiss grounds which is where mm-hmm. there's something that's defective in the pleadings so that's what's going on here they i don't even think that microsoft has answered this uh complaint but this is certainly interesting because uh, the idea that they are monetizing open source code. Now, how, if open source code is is free, how could you monetize it? Yeah, I I don't know. I don't I don't understand exactly what this is saying. I assume it has something to do with using it. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, up next is a another very interesting. I mean, you're going to see that the trend here is that we're talking about a lot of AI, computer, and virtual um, lawsuits. Here's one. Virtual Birkin bags on trial in Hermes case testing IP rights. Okay. So a Birkin bag, it's a a brand. It's like a Louis Vuitton. All right. I didn't know what that was. Birkin bag. That that sounds like a... Designer bag. So... Got it. According to the Wall Street Journal, this lawsuit is an early test of how a company can exercise its rights against virtual assets it didn't authorize. So Hermes is seeking to stop an artist behind the virtual Birkin handbags, but the creator is arguing constitutional protections from freedom of expression. Mm -hmm. So the Birkin handbag, it's actually made by Hermes, but it's it's for decades been like this this symbol of hey you know you've got a lot of money if you got a Birkin bag, and it's sold through exclusive shops and and wait lists and things like that. And some of the prices yeah. can reach tens of thousands of dollars for a, a Birkin bag. 
So in 2021, a, a self-described entrepreneur and artist set out to offer another way to own it. And it was through an NFT. Now, I know really? how you feel about NFTs. I am not a fan of NFTs. A, a non-fungible token. So Mason Rothschild created a series of 100 digital images he called Meta Birkins, <laughs> de- depicting fur-covered purses in the same shape and style as the Hermes luxury product. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be really interesting because now, you know, NFTs are, I want to say, relatively relatively new right within within two years Eh, about that i'd say but still you know i I don't know i mean i think they're kind of they were new and now they're done well it's going to be interesting to see where litigation takes these nfts i would imagine well you know about uh you know about like the the, um celebrity situation right uh there's a class action against a number i think it's a class action against a number of celebrities and obviously i'm just bringing this up off the top of my head so i might get something wrong here but a number of celebrities promoted the Bored Ape Yacht Club NFT series. Yes, yes. And because those are technically like stocks where if more people buy into them, the price will go up, that's essentially like considered illegal because they're like raising – that's like if someone bought a stock and then went on TV and said, everybody buy this stock. Um, and so there's a, a large-scale lawsuit going on about that. I mean, now they've all dropped in price, and NFTs have proven to be – you know. A, a a year-long money-grabbing scheme. Well, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. The, what, the NFTs nowadays are, are worth so little. Uh, there's there's no real... What about the apes? The original apes? The apes aren't worth that much anymore. They're, they're not... It's not the same, you know? There was a period of time where, uh, you know, people had these crazy ideas. Oh, you know, if you look at it, it's like people who... who you know, are high on drugs. Some of the most popular tweets from the time are NFTs. They're, the books are going to be NFTs. And through NFT technology, you're going to be able to experience the books in the metaverse. What does that mean? What the hell does that mean? I don't want to experience my book with a VR headset. That's called watching a movie with a VR headset on. You know, like a lot of, lot of very strong, very bold terms. A lot of the metaverse platforms that were integrated with NFTs just didn't take off because nobody liked the idea, you know, and there's nothing to do. Like it's like video games, but with extra steps now. A lot of video game companies that introduced NFTs either to their games or from their games or based off their games had so much fan backlash that they renounced NFTs Uh and uh, they, they've said, oh, forget it. We, we, we made a mistake. We're sorry. They've had to apologize. There are very popular indie games that have millions of um, fans. So, so huge. There's one game. I'm not going to name it, but it's one of the most popular independent horror games out there uh, in recent times. And they did a series of NFTs, and the fan backlash was so strong that they had to issue an apology a week after they started it and take down all the NFTs. I mean, it's only been bad. Well, People this... have gotten their, their funds stolen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's only been bad from what I've seen. I haven't seen a single thing where it's like, wow, this is a good use for an NFT. I don't know if it's going to transition. I think this lawsuit's going to make a, a, an impact because I think personally that... The um, that Hermes is likely going to win because yes, it's an artistic 
impression i i mean i don't know as i'm saying this to you i'm thinking of defenses in my mind but it's going to be very interesting to see where this plays out and, yeah. and how this is going to impact this is important because remember back when um when people were transitioning from uh dvds to digital downloads and and you had napster and you had some of these other russian sites where you were yeah. you were able to download for free right those were were seminal cases that that really shaped the way that we consume music today streaming services really at, at a flat rate kind of grew out of those those lawsuits and i think we're going to see something very similar here because while it might not just be nfts it is digital assets yeah right because that nft case can transfer over and the same law can apply to digital assets so I think that's important. Mm -hmm. Now, another one that might not be as important, but it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's no whiskey in mini bottles of Fireball, so <laughs> customers are suing for fraud. So consumers are suing the manufacturer of Fireball whiskey. Um, have you ever seen Fireball whiskey? I have not. It's the ones in they get these little bottles with the red top, and there's like a demon on it. I remember being in college and everyone was like, you know, fireball, fireball. I, to me, my understanding is that this is not a $300 bottle of 18-year-old uh, scotch. This is like, hey, let me just get hammered. I'm going to stick this in a paper bag. Um, well, consumers are suing, saying that, that fireball whiskey has... Uh, committed fraud and misrepresentations because the mini bottles of their alcoholic beverage doesn't contain whiskey, mm -hmm. right? That's the small, fascinating. The smaller bottles named Fireball Cinnamon are made from a blend of malt beverage and wine, while the whiskey-based products are called Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey, according to the huh. company website. The 99-cent bottles, so I guess I was right about the single mall and the $300 price tag. The 99-cent bottles of Fireball. The 99-cent bottles are sold in 170,000 stores, including gas stations and grocery stores, prompting some customers to wonder what products they presumed to contain liquor were doing there. Hmm. And then, of course, upon closer inspection, customers realized that the description of the product was malt beverage with natural whiskey and other flavors and caramel cover color. I'm sorry, ins, uh, insinuating that whiskey is an ingredient because they're saying natural whiskey and other flavors. So that mm -hmm. people, consumers, assume there's whiskey in it. However. It only uses whiskey flavor, according to the class action lawsuit. Uh, this was filed uh, earlier this month in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Illinois. So it's a label situation. What the label means to say is that the product contains natural whiskey flavors and other flavors, but does not include whiskey. So that's what this entire lawsuit is over. Huh. The lawsuit further states, just as a side note, that given the lack of whiskey, 99 cents for a 1.7 fluid ounce bottle is overpriced. <laughs> so this is this is similar to um, some of those lawsuits where, like the potato chip companies, yeah. when half the bag is half air. The bag is air yeah. yeah. So this will be interesting to see where this one goes to, um, the Fireball Whiskey. 
to see if it actually is some sort of fraud or misrepresentation. Now, when I read a label that says whiskey flavors, I don't necessarily think I think there's whiskey in it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, if I saw something that said uh, apple flavors, I'm not thinking there's apple in it. There was a, a chocolate bar I once saw that was, uh, it was a it was like Yoohoo or Nesquik chocolate bar, and it was chocolate-flavored bar. Right. So do, do you I think, don't think there's chocolate? chocolate in there? Right. I don't think so either. I think that it was chocolate flavored. And so I was, I don't know. I mean, I could see, I could see a drunk guy walking into a, a gas station to pick up a 99 cent bottle of Fireball thinking it's whiskey because, you know, yeah. he, he, you know, sees the word whiskey. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm not sure that, that that's going to be a successful lawsuit, quite honestly, when you think about it. I don't yeah. know. I'm going to have to give that one some thought. And finally, to wrap up this week in review, Rick Astley, never going to give you up. Yes. I think you know this song. I, I know. I think I know this story. Yeah. Well, Rick Astley sues rapper Young Gravy. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of Young Gravy. Never. But he sued him for a vocal imitation of never going to give you up. So if I went into a little bit of never going to give you up here, am I going to get sued by Rick Astley? You might. I'm not going to do it, clearly. Yeah, don't. Definitely don't. So Rick Astley is suing Young Gravy and accusing the rapper of impersonating his voice on the song Betty Get Money. This is another one that I'm not familiar (laughs) with. Um, The Never Gonna Give You Up singer is seeking relief for the alleged unauthorized intentional theft of his voice for commercial purposes, according to the complaint filed in Los Angeles Superior Court on January 26th. Uh, which was also obtained by NBC News. Betty Get Money was released by Young Gravy in June of 2022, and the song interpolates the musical composition of Never Gonna Give You Up. Why would anybody want to do that? Um, But according to Astley's team, a license to use the original underlying musical composition does not authorize the stealing of the artist's voice in the original recording. Mm -hmm. So clearly... Um, wet gravy, young gravy, whatever you want to call him, must have had a license to use the sampling, you know, pieces of it. The yeah. complaint alleges that young gravy, whose real name is Matthew Raymond Hari, and his collaborators flagrantly impersonated Astley's voice and falsely stated that Astley endorsed the project. According to Astley, Young Gravy and the defendants, which include Republic Records and musical producers Nick Seely, Dylan Francis, and David Wilson, didn't obtain a license to sample the song, which is a digital copy of Astley's voice, and instead conspired to include a deliberate and nearly indistinguishable imitation of the song. Huh. He's seeking attorney's fees and unspecified amount in damages, uh, including all the gain profits and advantages derived or realized from their violation. So in other words, whatever money they made, um, you know, he wants it back. So Young Gravy, you might have to just turn over all the turkey if it is, in fact, found that he did this. Now, Interesting, though, that that somebody would do this. I, I want to hear the song now at this point. You know, Betty yeah. Get Money. Um, <laughs> now I'm fascinated by this. So right after we end this episode, I certainly will be listening to uh, Betty Get Money. But 
you you would think that with all the litigation that's happened in in the past 40 years over music sampling um you know queen and uh, uh what was that rapper? Uh, Ice, Vanilla Ice, right? All the yes, that, we did a, a video, we right? Did, or we did a podcast, right? All that litigation. You would think that artists would not be so bold as to to you know. Well, this is allegedly um, you know stealing his voice. So we'll have to we'll have to see where it goes and see what yeah. Rick Astley can prove. I'm going to listen to that uh, myself, and then we'll get back to you on that. But. Uh, yeah, that's that's gonna do it for the week in review. I hope you had a good week. I, I well, I was talking to my, my the listeners, but yeah, you we too, hope I you guess. had a good week last week, and and now we're on to a new week. Which I hope you had a good week. I hope you have a good week. Thank you. So, um, we're gonna do this every Monday. We're gonna try to do the week in review. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll catch up on some of the, you know, let's say more obscure stories because everybody can turn on the news and see what's going on but you know you didn't know about fireball did you nope next time you're going to go into a gas station and drop a 99 cent piece on a bottle of fireball look at the label and think twice all right that's going to do it for the week in review we will see you next time if you haven't done so already make sure you subscribe to the podcast and catch our other episodes that are coming up this week that's going to do it thanks thanks for listening to understanding the law radio If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. We're available anywhere that you listen to your podcasts, including Amazon, Apple Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many more. Also, don't forget to check us out online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again. See you next time.